Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hello and welcome to another edition of Insane in the Fembrain. Brain. We are back. Good to be back. We haven't done one of these for a while, um, but we've got some great guests lined up coming your way. Don't you worry about that. <clears throat> Hope you're doing all right. Hope you're doing well. We've uh, we produced Paul and I have been, been recording all sorts of things together. We've been very busy, which is very cool, and you'll hear all that very very soon. Uh, the guest this week on Insane in the Fem Brain uh, is the mighty Elf Lions. Elf Lions comedian. Um, she actually won uh, Edinburgh. Uh, it was Edinburgh newcomer uh, a few years ago. Oh no, she won the main prize, I believe. Um, but yeah, she's a fantastic comedian. And we'd been talking about getting her on for ages, and it just didn't sort of match up and things like that. And then, and then we got there, and we got her on, and it was it was spectacular. She's such a great conversationalist. Wonderful to talk to her. Um, I will say this: around about forty minutes in or so. Uh, uh, Elf will talk about uh, something that happened to her when she was she was younger, and it's, it's a bit of a trigger warning. Uh, there was, you know, it's, it's, it was. It's not a nice, it's not a nice thing. But the way that Elf talks about it is, is you'll, you'll, it's, 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 there's a reason for the story being there, and you know, it's a shame that this this stuff has to, this stuff bloody happens to people. But you know, more and more we do these, we have these conversations, and more and more these things come out, and hopefully. We can then, you know, we can we can do our bit. Men can do our bit to, to stop these creepy dudes doing these horrible things. This will so that yeah, it comes into that sort of forty minute mark. So um, yeah, just a bit of a trigger warning for you. And uh, Elf as well. She'd come. She'd been teaching all day uh, on online teaching, and so she was a bit frazzled at the beginning. It was funny, and you know, so you know, she got in. But we got into it in the end. It was really cool. She's a great. She's a great person. Great woman. It's a real pleasure to have her on. So just coming up in a bit is Elf Lions. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot, maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. 
My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. A podcast from producer paul.co.uk. I'm so hungry and I've just grabbed all the, um, what they're called, hot cross buns that were in my mum and dad's kitchen. <laughs> I'm just stuffing them in like, a, like an animal. They're really, really old or very early, one or the other. I mean, at this point in lockdown, Early. I do not care. I just will eat. <laughs> no. I'll stick anything in my mouth. That sounds considerably ruder than I intended it to be, and I'm sorry. <laughs> I love a hot cross bun. Mm. A nice. Is it? Are they? Are you eating them cold as well? Yes, because oh, I'm mate. just a sad, sad woman. <laughs> yeah, just eating cold fruity bread on a, it, yeah. on a, in, a in a kitchen. Talking into a laptop. I'm not even in the kitchen. Um, I'm in a garage. <laughs> oh wow! All right, with the guinea pigs <laughs> and the nice smell of ammonia in the background. Oh yum! It sounds delicious. That really mixing in with the fruit in your bread. Mm-hmm. Right, lovely. Oh great! Have you, have you been teaching all day? Yes, I am. Um, oh mate! I think I've spent a lot of time crying on Zoom meetings. I broke down. <laughs> it was so awful. I, you know, when you just have the shittest day and you feel all the emotions yeah. bubbling under the surface and you're trying to balance so many different personas of who you are and I just you know yeah. I was trying to explain and you can't tell if anyone's enjoying it and then I turned off my screen and my microphone I'd given them the first challenge you know create this character to do with Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and I just burst into tears and <laughs> then I suddenly heard like the typing sound because someone still had the microphone on and then it came up in the chat going is miss acting and then someone went <laughs> and they went oh i think she's doing something to do with charlie's family and then i just realized i hadn't turned the camera off so i had to look up and go be like oh, no. i'm charlie bucket's mother and i so wish he had <laughs> the golden ticket because i want him to have the best life and it was oh a good God. save but honestly Ever have I needed to eat four hot cross buns, it was then. <laughs> well, it just goes to show that the clowning's coming in handy. Yeah, the clowning, yeah, very yeah, very much so. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. You have to be an idiot. How are your kids doing during, like, lockdown? How are they finding it? Well, they're all, they're grown-ups now. So my, my youngest is struggling a bit because he's just gone, he's at music college, he's at BIM in Bristol. Oh, <clears throat> and he's a so it's really cool. Um, my eldest is a as a dance choreographer, mm -hmm. so he's doing stuff online. It's not it's not it's not ideal, but he's doing stuff. But my youngest is a drummer, and so what they've said to him, they've sent him a drum kit. Going, look, you're going to need to do some stuff at home. Mm -hmm. And he's like, it's a drum kit. I live in a residential area. I can't just rattle out a few videos mm -hmm. of me playing along to stuff just whenever. <laughs> So he's, it's a, I mean, it's a privilege to be in that position, but it's, it's not ideal. So Absolutely they're doing not. all right. They're doing, they're doing all right. But they, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that they're, that they're adults, that this is when this is happening and not young kids. I don't know how I'd cope, it's, yeah. to be honest, <clears throat> trying to explain it all. Because like you've just said, this is, we're all doing our best, but it's alien to us. The whole concept of what we're doing 
is alien, isn't it? Trying to trying to maintain connections with each other via TV screens. How do you retain? It's, a, ma- it's mad. How do you retain a sense of pleasure? That's the thing. It's like, who are you? Because we exist mm. in so many different, uh, like so many different factions, and we're constantly transforming and altering ourselves. And I think that's the really lovely thing is. I reflect a lot on like how I was when I was little. And like and I say 18 in the sense I was little. Like I didn't know who I was. Yeah. And I was so desperate to be loved and I just wanted someone to look after me. And you know, I was mm. treated as an adult and I behaved, you know, terribly in, you know, at nightclubs, and, you know, I was just a uni- I was just a you know, in the nicest kindest way. I was the kindest dickhead. The way most 18-year-olds are. Nobody means <laughs> they don't mean the malice that they accidentally inflict on others because they're still selfish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's such a. Oh, I can re- absolutely relate to that. Yeah. Oh, pardon me. I'm not sure if you. Yeah, just sorry. Had... Go on. What were you saying? I no, I just you. worried for a second because I just had that horrible gurgle. You know, in your stomach where you've eaten too many <laughs> foods, and I thought, I don't know how good this microphone is, or if I've just. Whoa. I'm just going to butt in here as the producer. It's really good. That's <laughs> making, making the trailer. <laughs> just a gurgle. <laughs> also, like I'm realizing as well, and um. And I think it's because I'm doing a teacher voice. It's like my voice, my accent as well, like in terms of persona, your voice changes all the time. I don't know if you're like this, Rich, but like you have your stage voice and you have who you are and you have your radio mm. voice. Like right now, I think I've got a radio voice on because you're aware it has to be clear. You can't muffle, but it t- it's so different to who you are the moment it stops. Or like when I'm teaching, it's like... Sort of like, hello, everyone, significantly higher, (laughs) a little bit calmer, more patient. And then, you know, off stage when it's just me on my own, it's more like, (laughs) pretty little idea. Oh, I've got my bosoms. And then on stage, I make it really posh because that way it's really fun. And it's just such a funny thing to really, you know, parody the parts of yourself you know are so easy to be parodied. it just kicks in automatically, all of it. <clears throat> like I've, there's been a few times I've been having a conversation with Jade, and the words just slide out of my head. They just go, <laughs> there. she's like, "What did you just say?" I'm like, I don't fucking know. I have no idea. I think this is what I was trying to say. But yeah, when I'm doing this or when I'm on stage, you tend to enunciate a little bit, a little bit better. And yeah, I've discovered when I was growing up because of my accent, like you were, you know, you T's and H's were always a problem. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, and now, now I'm older. I can't. I, I do have to. I think as well. If I'm, if I'm tired, I get a little bit. I get more sort of like T's become TH becomes F mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And you know, yeah. But I do work on it. Uh, but a lot of it, yeah, is like is is now I'm doing this. My brain's going right. We're doing this. So this is what you need to sound like. Yeah. And it sort of kicks in automatically. It does, doesn't it? Like yeah. the different persona, because it's weird when I'm at home or when we were in like with certain family relatives, because my dad's family side is all Irish, like that mm. cadence does just come out. And when I went camping some point in the year, everyone just assumed I was from Somerset or from <laughs> Ireland. And it's so weird because nobody in comedy would ever go, but you don't sound like that. But it's about who you who you be in that sense, who you become, who you mm. feel in. Yeah. I don't know, my, 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 I don't know, my vowels do just relax or 
it, it, it is hard to <laughs> convey because the people do define you in certain ways. And it's really hard to say, well, that's not true because in so many respects it is true. I am a posh person on stage here. I'm this person here. You are this person there. You have bad pronunciation at this point. You have very good pronunciation at this point. I don't really know the yeah. point I'm trying to make. <laughs> I think it's a survival thing. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a survival technique. I know when I'm in, when I've been in other countries, if I've been in Australia for a certain amount of time, I start to, I can hear myself starting to say things in a certain way. I think it might be that. It might be you're trying to kind, of, you know, you're trying to, yeah, sort of blend into the background mm-hmm. so you don't stick out too much in order to survive. Maybe it's that. I don't know. And also, like, I, I got I, told. Uh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, go on, go on. Oh, so it's go like on. you're trying to assimilate yourself. Is that the word? Yeah. yeah. Assimilate sounds I think cool. that is, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can tell I've read <laughs> well it. Well teach. Thank you. <laughs> Smashed it, mate. I think that's right. I think it is assimilation, isn't it? In order to survive and <clears throat> get through the... Because every, every interaction on some level is an ordeal. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's like... It's really stressful. Okay, right, I've got to do this now. It's really mm. stressful. I don't like it. I find... I. It's, it's why it's really nice. I love the teaching now because it takes you outside of the egoism that or egoism that comedy encourages. Because comedy, I think, especially in the industry, can always be about what are you doing right now? What are you doing in comparison to what everyone else is doing? Who are you? What's your mm. brand? What's your persona? And it's so linked to me, me, me. And that can be a really fun place to be in, like at Edinburgh, when you're around so many other kind narcissists. But when yeah, you... Yeah. In this type of world at the moment, it's it's not healthy and it's not nice. And you sort of think, what do I actually want to exist for? Who do I actually want to be? And the teaching, I like I teach loads of people of different ages and experiences and all different styles like clowning and drama and stuff. But it it's it's lovely to be able to be with other people purely for them. It's like, you know, any sort of like yeah. good sex, basically, you know, good sex rather than masturbation. Good sex is when you're with other people, like you're going, do you like this? Are you having a good time? This is all for you. And you're mm. totally chopping and changing and adapting based on the needs of the individual. So you can both culminate in like the best ejaculation possible and neither of you has to fake it. You know, that's what like lovely conversation, interaction, pure selflessness is, I think, like. Yeah, I think that you know when you when someone is happy or like that beautiful feeling, like you know when you're making a joke and you see that that beautiful glow when they go, I know what you're talking about, and you think, oh, I've seen something that isn't just related to me; it is related to everyone else. This is a lovely yeah. discovery, because um, I find it like in comedy in general. It, it really frustrates me because it's like there's so much of it is persona and appearance and act and costume. Like what you choose to wear to go to a comedy gig is a costume. It's mm-hmm. a disguise. And I quite like the fact that over lockdown, I mean, lockdown's horrible in so many ways, but it's just, I've just been able to be totally Emily Ann as opposed to anyone else. And I get to teach yeah, wearing yeah. my normal clothes and I get to talk about things without any object objective to being funny it's purely for being with other people i don't know i sound, it sounds really boring okay, yeah. but it's just quite nice no 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 i totally i totally get what you mean <clears throat> i think i think this is this what's gone on in this last year has really shone a light on what is important and what isn't like the stuff we worried about before like you know gen just basic interaction with people we'd worry 
if they liked you, mm-hmm. if if this was oh god, do they think I'm a dickhead? This is is this going well? Is this going you know? But now because it's just shown how fragile everything is, I think there's more. I'm I'm more myself now than I ever was. Yeah. I feel, and also which is nice that, like, yeah. that thing of you know why should you care? Uh, but also why is it your business to care about what other people think of you? That is totally their choice yeah. and their agency. And I don't have the consent to go up to someone and go, hey, why don't you like me? Why don't, it's, you know, <laughs> unless they're suddenly trash talking me or, you know, spreading rumours, it's their interpretation. It's opinions of yeah. who people are is subjective, I think. And it's like when when I'm ever teaching clowning, I say, do not ever dare get angry at an audience because they haven't given you the reaction you decided beforehand that you deserved. Yes. Because that, the yeah. audience, you have no idea what's going on in their life. If they've chosen to sit there and smile and stay throughout your set, that is enough. They don't need to prove any more to you. It, you know, that contract breaks if they start heckling or they start getting on their phones. Then, you know, you can bring out the guns and become crazy heckle, you know, heckle annihilator. But up until that point, <laughs> you can be, you just be thankful. It's like when people talk about, I always get when people like starting to teaching, when I start teaching or thinking about how you make a show or clowning or when I make a show anyway, so you don't get too wrapped up in your own head, rather than just thinking of they're laughing or they're not laughing, which is so binary. And you'll always hear it all the time, mm. Richard. Like, you know, when someone go, you'll go, you did great. Oh no, no one laughed, no one laughed. What do you mean? Loads of people, they were loving it. No, no one laughed. No one laughed at all. And you think, did you just not see all the people smiling, all the people who were giggling? what did you hear? Like, what was... Because there's so many other reactions that are just as valuable as opposed to the big, like, you know, that's my impression of a laugh. (laughs) Just that... (laughs) God, maybe I've never heard someone laugh. The whole audience doing that. (laughs) Maybe that's... (laughs) Yeah, that's the other side of it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> I've been guilty of that though. I have been guilty of that. I've come off and gone, ah, that was terrible. And then I was going, what are you talking about? That was all right. It was fine. Everyone was laughing. And you go, ah, because you didn't feel right yeah. or you didn't enjoy it or you weren't, you you didn't get the response. Like you just said, you didn't get the response you thought you were going to get. So therefore, it was shit. Yeah, and we uh, get all yeah, defensive and we get cross and then yeah. we blame everything. And we, I think actually, Rich, because the last time we saw each other, I think it was literally before lockdown on the boat. I remember it. It was so fun. Oh, yeah. And um, what were we doing? We were... It was, it was me, you, Sean Walsh. It was you, yeah, yeah and Darren Harrier, and everyone yes. it was so hot and sweaty. <laughs> and it was literally yeah. about three days before lockdown. We shouldn't have been there. Like, it was rammed. And I still remember because it went on for way too long and people were getting really yeah. tired. And I think by the time I came on... I think I just felt a bit defeated because I'd turned up with so much energy, but it was just the audience were knackered. And by the time I came on, I think I was tired. And it was just a bit of, you know, it wasn't a bad gig. It was just a bit of, you know, sort of, it was like a, you you could sort of thumb it in. It was quite flaccid, you know what I mean? But you could make something <laughs> happen. That was how it felt. And um, I just remember us all being backstage and that sort of, 
those conversations that always happen at the boat behind that really thin curtain where you can't mm. talk too loudly. And you're like, no, it was fine. It was all right. <laughs> they can all hear us. And they can yeah. all hear us go, just slagging them yeah. off. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I know. We, I think, yeah, that was, was that the night? Oh, there was a night. I don't know if it was that one. It was later on when we were, oh, I think it was later on we were allowed back out for a bit and we did the boat we did the guinea pig cup again and I did a joke about chickens and it didn't really get a lot <clears throat> and then Andy Parsons went on at the end and he did a joke about chickens as well and that didn't get anything so we were like what the fuck do these people what, what do you like what is it about chickens that you lot have decided nah we're not having that it was like we it's like we like yeah it's like, I don't know it's like a racist comedian coming out and just moaning about foreigners they just kind of they just took offence at chickens that we 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 dare to slag off chickens. I, I don't know. It's I still weird, remember going to the boat and um, I was doing this Medusa character. It was in 2018, and it was me coming on stage as Medusa, and it was quite raw material, and it was all new. And I'd been told it's a new material night, and so I was like, "Wicked, I'll do new." And I remember it was. Mm. It was all men in the back. And it, I mean, that's never an issue depending on who it is. But I think the, the dialogue at the back in the back wasn't particularly supportive. And I came on stage and I did this whole routine as Medusa talking about how my favourite <laughs> dish was fetus within a baby, within a toddler, within a teenager or something like that. Like, and how like my favourite thing to do was eat like yeah. menstrual products. I mean... It smashed it when it was finally ready. But, oh, my God, the pleasure I had of doing this gig and just having such fun being silly. And some of the audience going, I think I understand. And some people going, I'm very frightened of this woman. <laughs> and then going backstage to those, like, four blokes who'd been... I think they'd been chatting about the Me Too movement, but without any sensitivity to the fact there was one woman in the back who really wow. clearly did not want to talk about the Me Too movement. As in, like, I even said, can we just not talk about this? And then they continued mm. to talk about it. And then I came back and they were like, fucking hell, mate. Talk about going straight in there. <laughs> but I, like, I didn't <laughs> win in terms of, like, you know, I didn't win the audience over but I just had a really fucking great time. <laughs> <laughs> but you always seem to enjoy it. That's the thing. When I've seen, and I've said this to you before, one of the earliest, my earliest memories of you was in Edinburgh and you were doing, it might have been Stand Up and Slam, but you did it with your f shoes on your hands. Oh, you God, You took your shoes yeah. off and put them on your hands. <laughs> I think I forgot I remember to put them down. Going, <laughs> well, I was like, what the fuck is this? Just got to be happy. So you've always had fun. We just got to be yeah. happy and silly because what's it for? <laughs> it's just true. It's just That's giving true, pleasure. And also, nothing's. It's not malicious. Like it's really interesting how, like, I remember some people getting really angry watching me do a set recently. Not, I say recently, way back in the past, <laughs> but nineteen ninety four. Nineteen ninety four, and um. <laughs> They, uh, what was it? They like got really offended. Like people were like, it's just, it's, you know, I just don't get it. I don't get it. And I'm thinking, I'm not causing, what I am is a silly woman. That's, that's all I am. Mm. Not, I'm not coming on, I'm not bringing up any triggering subjects. I was coming on, I, what, this was what I was doing. It was for Lauren Patterson's birthday. Oh, it was such, I love this. I thought I'd do a strip tease for her. So I came on like really wow. like, trying to be really sexy, but I, I just thought I'd do it as like this Australian, young Australian girl 
because it was just it just seemed to work for the character. And mm-hmm. the gay okay. the gang was that my mum normally does the striptease. Um, she couldn't do it, so I'm doing it. We're from fish and strips, and so it was, I mean, it's really simple. It's really basic <laughs> gags. Um, but the fun, the actual joke of it was was I was doing a striptease to all of Lauren Patterson's favourite songs, and so it was a cut up of like loads of Scylla Black stuff. <laughs> um, <laughs> a long way to Picareri. Is that what it is? Um, the Mario Kart theme tune. Tripperary. Yeah. A long way to Tripperary. Come out, you black and tats. <laughs> And some other what? ones, and I just cut it all up, and it would just come in at really odd moments. The Hey Macarena, and I just got increasingly naked dancing to this sequence. And um, someone was like, "Oh, I just don't understand why you had to just be like just being on stage like that. Like, I just don't understand." And I was thinking, "There's still there is nothing more subversive for a lot of people than a woman just being on stage, being silly." Yeah. Or like getting yeah, naked yeah, yeah. or, you know, getting semi-naked without the come at me, boys, objectify me. Like it's more a objectify me if you dare, because if I see you looking at mm. me in a sexy way, then I will utilise that in audience interaction to the <laughs> best of my abilities. But um, I will clarify, that, yeah. the black and Go tans on. was like very well well structured within the gag <laughs> just in case anyone's thinking I can see why it would have been offensive it definitely was <laughs> I've just realised when you explain it <laughs> yeah. audio through audio without any of the physical or indeed the soundtrack it sounds more problematic than it definitely was when you said it and, you was, and I'm like ah oh, okay I would have liked to have seen that it was quite a mashup with that involved oh it was um, honestly one of my happiest moments Rich <laughs> <laughs> so you, but you're 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 into clown. You've done. You've been on the course, and you've done. I, whenever you say the word clowning, people just assume Ronald McDonald and balloons and things like that. But there's more to it, isn't there? There's there's so much more. It's interesting because like I think now everyone's like the terms of phrase you'll get like now is like oh yeah I went to Gollier, which is this particular school which does a clown yes. course for like four weeks, which I didn't actually ever do though I went there and as fun as it was and as hedonistic as the school was um, I do think it gets sort of mythologized and sort of made into this sort of dreamscape that put on a Mm. it's been told sort of false gods in terms of I think people want there to be a teacher that can teach you how to be funny and so at the moment he's sort of on the pedestal of being that guy he's definitely phenomenally interesting and dynamic as a teacher but I think people just associate clowning with this guy at the moment. But clowns Mm. have been around throughout all time, through all history and in lots of different styles. And, you know, the imagery of the clown makeup has very interesting historical context. Mm. But clowning is is a really crucial part of of the art form of theatre and comedy making. And we all know what clowning is, Um, but it's sort of... What, there are two things that I find really interesting about clowning because I'm writing a book on it at the moment, which mm. in the mix of teaching clowning and then teaching and then <laughs> trying to be a normal human being and occasionally yeah, have a bar. Yeah, just switch between the two. <laughs> <laughs> I just sit at my desk and eat um, eat stale stale goods. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I don't. I have. I haven't changed clothes in days, Rich. Um, so there's two sort of interesting lines with it. 
so clowns are really interesting because clowns always get associated with being, you know, stupid or like buffoons, the clown, mm. the idiot, the fool in or, Shakespeare. Yeah. Or, you know, in, in circus, a bit like the sort of the refresher in between the acts, the comic, you know, yes. the lightness and they're sort of low scale acrobatics and really nice, well choreographed comedy set pieces using the body before you suddenly bring in the cheap trapeze artist or the clown. Or, or the uh, lion, I mean. And then you've got another interpretation of the word clowning comes from sort of the idea of the history of the immigrant. And this idea of the fool could also be linked to the immigrant, the outsider, because who comes across more foolish to people than someone who doesn't speak the same language or can't communicate in the same way? And this idea of the clown being the outsider who came in and would try to be a part of society and people would be like, Oh, he speaks in a funny way. Oh, I don't understand what he means. His clothes are a bit different. He looks a bit weird to us. Ha, 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 ha. And there is this sort of really interesting angle of that, like the ethnic comics of America, how they would like, you know, like Groucho Marx and his brothers, like they really overdid their features to really play out this idea of what did Jewishness look like. And this idea of, you know, playing with grotesqueness and like women in silent cinema would sort of change their shape like Alice Howell had a really big bouffon of hair because she almost was trying to make herself not look as attractive as she was or she dressed herself up to look more matronly so she could get away doing the stunts she did. So there's this really interesting like, history of what a clown is and how we utilise clowning. But I... And nowadays everyone says, oh, the clown is your inner child. Just pretend to be your inner child. Oh, just be. And then what you get is just loads of fucking self-indulgent blokes going, I am being my inner child. Look at me, make really intense eye contact with you and throw water on you. And like, be really kooky. Ha ha ha, I'm being really kooky. And if you're not enjoying this, it's not my fault because I'm being my inner child and this is clowning, which is yeah. so indulgent because that's not what, in a, that's not what your inner child is because you can't have a child without context. Like if you see a child playing in a playground, you're like, oh, that's a child playing in a playground. If you see the same child playing in a burning down building, it's a very different <laughs> context. And you can't just look at that child playing and go, yeah, that's a child playing. You think, no, there's all this other shit going on. So when you play your inner child, you've got to know the context that you come from and the worlds that you exist in in order to then bring that onto a stage in a way that an audience can join in with it, you know, and get in on the yeah. gag. And then on top of that, like, people seem to think clowning is this, oh, it can't be planned. It's all improvised. Scripts are the ruin, are the death of the clown. The clown lives in the moment. And you think that's great in a rehearsal room. But if you're going to yeah. charge 10 quid a night... I want to see some actual discipline and I want to see a fucking knowledge of what you're doing and an understanding of all the craft and skills it takes to have an audience have a great time for 50 minutes. And this is like one of the things when people go, I understand all the clowning exercises and I'm really funny in the rehearsal room, but how come I'm not funny on stage? And I say, well, that's hard to teach you because that is the discipline that you have to teach yourself. That is the graft. I could teach, you know, yeah. You don't, it's like when someone says, oh, you don't just learn to wire a plug and then go, right, I'm an electrician. Absolutely not. You have to learn every single facet of what it means to do a brilliant job so you don't cause a whole house to set on fire. It's not just, <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm really good at this one thing, but when no one's watching me and I'm, you know, in a really supportive environment. Um, yeah. 
I feel like I've just completely verbed at you. I'm so sorry, Rich. No, no, no. It's great. I, I really, I get what you mean. There's, it's all very well. Like, it's, it's like, it's like, it's like, it's like people like Eddie Izzard and Ross Noble, mm-hmm. and people go, oh, he's just making it up as he goes along. You go, no, he's not. There's, he's done that. There's probably stuff in there that he didn't know he was going to say, and there's probably is some ad lib stuff in there. But more often than not, it's he's already thought it out. He knows there's a beginning, middle, and end. He knows where he's going to end up from where he starts. And that's the same with the sort of clowning. If you go and see a show, there's still a beginning, a middle, and an end. They still know where they're going yeah, to be. Yeah, and it's also like... There might be the odd bit that's made up, but the whole thing is planned. There's a story, there's a narrative to it all, and it's going to go. It's going in a direction that they know it's going in. Totally. Like Otherwise, yeah. They could be really naive to go, but it looks so easy. Like I always like this phrase... Um, like the captain is someone who knows, but who no longer handles the ropes is in the way, yes. reason Ross Noble or like you, especially like as an MC, like you're exceptional. The reason you can go on and just be like chat to an audience is because you have the graft of knowing how to, ch- like you've had, you know, years of being able to do it. And mm. also like me, like probably loads of failures and flops, which we need, but like yeah. nobody, I remember once, this boy came up to me after a gig and he said, now I've seen what you can do. I've realised that I can do that too. And I don't think he meant it the way he did, but he approached <laughs> me straight after I'd come off stage. And in fairness, I think I was a little bit short-tempered because it was directly like a few weeks before my spine went. So I was performing at this oh, time wow. at like several slip discs and I was a, I, I was a bit short-tempered. But I just looked at him and I was mm. like, "How? no, you can't. I said, you can't because what you've just seen is years of learning years how of work, to fail yeah. in order to be on stage and have pleasure in the act of failing. You can't just yeah. go, oh, I'm going to try that. Yeah, that's great. And I'm really excited for you if you want to start having a go. But do not kid yourself. This is not, it's not a fun and e- it's not always, it's not an easy road. It's like any other profession. It takes discipline and it takes, like the thing with clowning is, because I don't know, it's it's interesting because I really like researching into it now because I got introduced to it in 2015 or 2016 and then I started getting reviewed as a clown. So I started getting intrigued by what that meant and then I started looking into the history and then looking at it in terms of like social context because, boy, like there was this always this argument that men are better clowns than women, which is totally wrong um, for many reasons. The very basic argument as to why is that when you're little, little boys will jump in a puddle and we're like, oh, little boy, jump in the puddle. Well done. Oh, brave boy. Oh, you could grow up and be an astronaut. Well done. You're so adventurous. But if a little girl jumps in a puddle, you go, please don't do that. You're going to ruin your dress. Come back. Don't do that. Mm. Come down, put your toys down and come and play with your toys. Don't, no, stay away from that. You could injure yourself. And you naturally create from a young age this psychology of, that's not my place or don't touch that, don't play with that. Which means that you could argue that then when it comes to clowning and this idea of being on stage and just feeling it out and being a bit silly and really throwing your body around, you might be more reticent as a woman. But I would say like when people always use that argument of men are funnier than women, which still gets said, it's because we only ever look at the voice. We only ever think about it auditory, aud- audibly. We, we only think about the words. Mm. But actually, you look at silent cinema, you look at like fucking Marilyn Monroe and Lucille Ball. Like, 
it's not just the voice that gets you to stand out, it's your body. Like women have been using their bodies for comedic effect for a long time because if you don't get the lines, how the hell are you meant to stand out? Like, so either women and carry on are the absolute bee's knees because like every yes. little twist of the hip, like they are playing with every angle of what it means to be a woman in order to subvert the gaze and make you laugh. And you're like, why am I laughing? Because I find her sexy. I'm confused. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're right actually i hadn't thought about that before yeah as all yeah when i like, growing up it was yeah the women had to be in they were indoors not maybe they were like oh you're you're doing stuff indoors whereas the lads are gonna go and swing from trees and set fire to stuff because that's what boys do but yeah and always encouraged to be loud and mm -hmm. and and just smash stuff like oh you know what boys are like and then women were supposed to be indoors just sat there with their knees together just drinking a cup of tea with their little pinky out and yeah. being told to be, you know, as well. yeah, which is why it was always fascinating when you met, when you met a girl that was more, back then was more like a boy, mm -hmm. if you were, and I'm doing that in commas. I remember being on holiday in Dorset and there was a girl who very much reminded me of George from the famous five. Wicked. And I remember being fascinated mm -hmm. by her because I'd never met a girl like that before. I was only young. So I was eight, I was about eight mm -hmm. and yeah. And she was the one, she was swearing, and she was, she took us up the woods and she was saying, we're going to go and do this and do that and, and telling all the bigger boys to fuck off. Yeah. And it's so cathartic for the woman yeah. as well. Like women, I think like we're taught to hold so much anger in. Like, I think that's why, you know, the crazed wild woman in horror, like I think it's why Medea is such an interesting character. Cause I think a lot of people could understand her, obviously not to the level Medea goes to, but I think that's why she's such an attractive character to play and why we keep coming back to her. Um, whilst Hamlet for bloke, it's like, oh yeah, I've just got a lot of thoughts. Um, <laughs> um, but taking <laughs> yeah. the mick of that. But um, there is so much anger and aggression and dominance in women. Like, and I wonder as well, right? I love getting my tits out on stage. Like, I fucking love it. <laughs> I like I love when people use their bodies on stage. Like the thing with clowning is that it's all in the body and you don't hide it. You just and it's where I don't want to say body positivity because I think that can somewhat be, I, I don't think it means what I mean in this context, but regardless of whether you like your body or whether you hate your body or whether you think your body's the best body it has ever been or regardless of that, that doesn't matter. You've got to, if you want to clown or be a good comedian, I think you have to look at your body and go, this is the body that I have and I am going to mm. use, this is my instrument and I'm going to look after it and understand that this is what the audience see. You can't disguise yourself to be anything that you're not. If you're, you know, this shape or that shape, or you've got this disability or whatever, you've got to be like, I'm going to utilize this to the best of my ability. So like, you know, I like the fact that I'm, because of the, the shape of my spine and also now because of slight sort of disability things, like my shape of my body is quite funny. Like I'm really tall and thin. I've got really long arms and mm. really long legs, but I've got one, breast that's a size d and ones that ones that is a b which i think is really funny what? so i'll get that because i fell through a rowing machine once when i was a kid and then like and then because of my t and i've got this naturally like happy tummy like you know it just is what it is and i've got lots of cellulite like loads and i love it because it captures the light really well depending on how you <laughs> light it like depending on where you put certain pieces of makeup you can really make cellulite stand out so it's like wicked this is really cool pieces of architecture i've got um how do i make this work for, you know i've got to really respect it mm. and play with it 
Um, but it's like, uh, what I love about vaginas is that in clowning <laughs> is like, men will, we always are so used to getting penises out on stage because penises look silly. They just do. Penises are silly. Yes. And also we all know how they work. So you're looking at a piece of equipment that you go, everyone in this room knows how they function. But I think what terrifies people about vaginas is because they are significantly more complicated and they are so symbolic of so many things that when you see mm. a vagina, you go, I don't know how to work that piece of equipment. So I prefer not to see <laughs> that equipment on stage because I feel challenged and I'm not sure what point you're, what do you want? Do you want me to think about sex? Do you want me to think about birth? Do you want, what do you want me to? And I love causing that. Like it was really fun at the end of Swan years ago when I did it in Australia at the end in 2018 was I inserted a ketchup bottle up my vagina um, and I realised what was really fun at the end because I'm recreating Swan Lake. So I'm doing the death scene of Odette. And when she hits the back uh -huh. of the wall, um, I'm wearing this McCaw costume, I would die. And what I'd do is i clench my buttocks together, which would cause all the ketchup to spurt out. And obviously they don't know that I've put it up there. <laughs> and then people just look in horror. And then I stomp into the audience shouting, I am a woman. This is what the Times called an ordeal. Take that, Dominic Maxwell <laughs> from the Times. And I had a dust sheet. And I was just like a little girl having a fucking brilliant time. And the audience would just like... It was such an orgasmic, cathartic experience. Like it was, yeah. it never failed to have a really lovely effect because it'd be built up in the right way. So by the time, you can't bring that on in the first five minutes. You can't do a bloody cunt gag at the beginning. You have to wait for 55 <laughs> minutes in. Um, but it was just really Yeah, silly. that'd be great at top of the show. <laughs> I'm going to do at that. At the top my... of the show, you just, you just <laughs> do that and then, okay. Okay. I mean, that would be a way okay. to open the guinea pig club. <laughs> Imagine that, yeah. I well, do you know what? It's it's there is. It, it I don't know if this is just because of because of the age I am, or you know, the maybe it is. I don't know. But your <clears throat> that sort of thing, it, it, there is it, a woman getting her bits out is different. Yeah, I know. You know exactly what you mm -hmm. mean. A guy getting. I think uh, maybe because I grew up and guys just. I think from a very young age we're pulling it around. When we first discover what it, we sort of like when you when you're a t tiny. I don't think you're even wandering around yet. You're just you're, st you're sitting up, and you've managed that, and you kind of maybe you're crawling around, but then suddenly you go, "What's this?" And you start pulling it, and then that's it. You're just forever obsessed with this thing that you keep pulling it. You never stop pulling it until you die. But it's just always it's always out. But it's, it's so always a, fascinating. There's always a guy somewhere well. with it out. Yeah, but they're so. Yeah. They're fun. Like I didn't realise that sometimes if you go really fast over certain speed bumps, the penis will just like, get it will just go up in the air. <laughs> like I learned this because, like, <laughs> yeah, just, but yeah. I didn't realise they moved with the temperature. They're just fat. Like the balls are really quite incredible to look at. Oh, gotcha. I just I find it. But whilst the thing is with vaginas, they are you know they're more. But there wasn't more nuanced. They weren't really out. They never. <laughs> yeah. Well, they, well, this is in it. They weren't really out when I was growing up. Women. You didn't go, you know, people didn't get pissed. I mean, oh, look at my vagina. Men did with their penises, yeah. but it was never, oh, look at that. But, and then, and then, yeah. And so now when you, and then, so when you go to a show like yours and you're, you know, there's my vagina and you go, oh, that's her vagina. Whoa. And you start, you can feel yourself go, like curling inwards going, oh, I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah. If I do, I've seen, but I've seen puppetry of the penis. I didn't even flinch. See, I, I oh, remember yeah. just being in a restaurant, not in a, I was in Edinburgh, Ed Fringe in 
the abattoir and one of them just came up to me and got his cock out in front of my face and just did one of the puppetry things. And I remember wow. being really upset because I thought, I don't know you and I don't understand the context mm. of the show. So you doing this to me, regardless of the fact you can make it look like a hamburger, genuinely is quite upsetting. It's out of context. Because that's yeah, the thing. That's it's out like, of context. I've seen a lot of, like we've all, I've seen loads of theatre where young women have gotten, or, you know, all different ages have gotten naked and it's not been suitable for the show and it's not been suitable for the context because you don't know what you're trying to do. Like, I think there's this... It's interesting, like in comedy in general now, there's this sort of weird obsession. In order to be validated as a man, you have to prove to people that you're vulnerable by 45 minutes in showing that you are vulnerable, which is so perverse. It's like, of course men are vulnerable. Of course they have gone mm. through trauma. But why do they suddenly need to suddenly tell us, oh, and this happened and I felt sad? I think there's this pressure on men to prove that they have emotions. Whilst for women, yeah, I think sure. there is this pressure now to show that you have experienced trauma. Like this sort of this, your opinion, I think it's this sort of growing habit of trauma porn, of going, you're, yes, oh, it's yeah. great, but what's your point here? Why should I listen to you unless you have struggled? And I find that really dangerous. And especially with comedy, oh, God, because yeah. you're like, I'm coming on stage to be silly. And I'm coming on stage to make you laugh. And that should really be all there needs to be said about it. I don't need to, like, my clowning history came out of me going against a feeling, having, like I had to do sad, to tell people things about myself that I thought, actually, it's not your business. But also, I'm not sure how, how do I feel about performing this every day? Like, mm. there was a really, yeah. it's just, it's going to be, I remember for Buffon, for clowning at Gollier, like when I did Buffon, Buffon's like a really dark version of clown. It comes from buffoon, like someone who puffers out their cheeks, like someone who sort of distorts okay. themselves. And it's almost like the Buffon is the devil's clown. And your sort oh, of, your right. aim is to kill the kill the king. Your aim is to make the king laugh um, by parodying <laughs> the king. And the king dies when they realise they are laughing at their own parody. So... Sasha Baron Cohen's a really interesting Buffon. So Borat is a Buffon because Borat was sort of this assumption, this idea of what Eastern European men were like. And Buffon, like this idea of anti-Semitism and this racism in America, that was sort of the first mm. Borat is a lot of dark Buffon. And I find Buffon's really fun to play with trauma and play with trigger warnings. Like that's a really fascinating place to go. But I think in comedy we've got to be really careful and like the amount of times I've met young people developing a show and they feel like they have to put something in there that they're not ready to deal with or don't have mm. the artillery to deal with comedically. Absolutely. There's this, yeah. What's the point? Well, I remember saying, so I went to see someone's preview <clears throat> and then afterwards they were, we were chatting about it and they said, what do you think? And I was like, oh, you know, I think it's all right. And they're like, what, you know, what do you think? Mm -hmm. Is there anything I can improve? And I'm like, what's the point? Of the, like you've just said, what's the point in this show? Why, why should this show exist? Yeah. What's the point? Are you doing it because uh, uh, because you you're, because it's, it's almost like they found a bit, like they found this traumatic bit, and then they're building a show around that mm -hmm. trauma. But they're not, they, they, and you kind of crow. It's like they're crowbarring it in. You're like, there's no point to this, really. What you like, you've just said, what you're telling me this for? Yeah, like you with the ketchup bottle up your up your hoo ha. What? 
is that you know like you you explain why that was and why that was happening it wasn't just you were running around all of a sudden you slammed yourself shut and blood came pissing out it was a whole point to yeah it. like there's a build so, up it's all about yeah. the timing and the understanding of yeah it's like it's cool for you to look do a lot of intense audience interaction and spray the audience with water but that can't just be what it is that can't just yeah. be oh i've got this idea therefore i'm going to do it no it has to like i real i didn't realize till afterwards with swan I'd, I'd never realised the sort of the connection, but when I was at the beginning, I mentioned when I was little, I used to take my knickers off all the time in ballet and my mum would always say, put your knickers on. And I'd be like, no, because I want to be free. That was when I was little, I mm. hated wearing knickers. So at the end of the show, me taking my knickers off and being really sick, and I've done loads of stuff with props throughout the show. So it made complete sense within the aesthetic of the show. But it wouldn't have been appropriate for me to suddenly go, I want to mention at this point that the age of 24, I suffered a miscarriage. Like it would have been really mm. abusive. It would be an abuse of power and of time, I think. Like the. Yeah, hijacking the audience. There was a character that I made who I really love. She's called The Matron. And she's based off, and this is a dark story, but don't want it like trigger warning, it's all okay. But because um, when I was a teenager, I was, I was raped by someone. And my when I went to the doctor, this particular character, they told me their words were, don't tell your parents because they'll worry and you don't want to worry them at this time because you're doing your A-levels. You need to focus on your A-levels, your predicted three A's. So I'd suggest what? at the end of the day, you've just got to accept, take it as a compliment. Sometimes we just need to learn to be more vocal as women and make it really clear that we don't like something. And at least you've got it out of the way, basically, was the nutshell. Then it explains what? like- th- take- the, but yeah, but then it explains like three years of me going to university, being like, I haven't made peace with this scenario. Uh, mm. but, but I made this character called the Matron, and it was this woman. It was like big. I wore a big PV suit, like really horrible, grotesque make, clown makeup, a mop for my head, really horrible. Like I accentuated all the features I remembered she have it. She had to like a horrible degree because she used to wear this particular person used to wear quite well-tailored, quite sensual suits in that sort mm. of 80s powerhouse kind of way. And yeah. I would come on stage and I performed that monologue very, very straight, like without any comedy. And the end of the line, because I remember this, at the end of the scenario, she said, oh, so Jill tells me that you want to be a comedian. How brave. I hope you don't put me in one of your stand-up routines. Ha, 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 ha. And that was literally what she said to me before she sent me out of the room. And I said that at the end of the piece. And this is where the bouffon is because the bouffon kills the king. People were suddenly mm. had a sucker punch because they suddenly realised what the context was. They suddenly realised. Yeah. But because I was playing it, I was playing it with so much pleasure and relish, being the bastard, being nasty, playing her, that when I said that final line, I hope you don't put me in any one of your routines, everybody laughed. And it's hard to explain mm. why because it was almost as if everyone understood what the revenge was. They understood that in some ways I'd sort of killed her in the performance yeah. of it and that I had full ownership over the story. Like there was no way anyone else could take that story. There was no way that I was trying to make peace with it. The peace had been made. This was just mm. pure like, you know, 
I don't know, guns blazing, kill Bill Stoll. And then I ended up developing this woman into running a queer night, an LGBT night the matron presents. And it was the style of, she's just a really homophobic matron who's introducing a talent competition and doesn't realise that any of the acts are gay and keeps recovering. And it was just, it worked really well because she was so malicious and nasty, but everyone knew who... She was, because we've all met that person mm. who doesn't understand and doesn't know, can't say the word ho- homosexual. And it was <laughs> it was really like she became a sort of clown. No, she was a bouffant type of sort of horrible drag mm. character. But that, I would say, is one example of where you could possibly take something horrific and ferment it into a way that brings something delicious for a community that is collective, mm. as opposed to... yeah. But you have to like, if you are still crying when you are talking about it, I think you have to be really careful because what you've got to protect yourself as the artist. Uh, do you know what I mean? I, I don't know. Maybe I'm sounding yeah, too wanky yeah, yeah. for all of no, this. No, no, no. I, I, I think I've got to be honest. You've, you've. This is, this is, this is. Yeah, this isn't where I thought it was going to go. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. You can cut it out. No, 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 not at all. No, no, no. I didn't Don't mean you apologise whatsoever. Down. I was trying to sort of analyse something. Maybe. No, no, no. It's brilliant. Well, you you haven't brought the mood down at all. Okay. It's brilliant. Do you know what it is? It's, I'm. You know what it is, right? It's me worried about my reaction and trying not to be flippant about something that no, is no, but you can't truly horrific and. But the difference is, is I've made peace with it, and I'm not yeah. expecting anyone like because yeah. we all understand it's a horrible scenario. We all know that mm. that should never have happened, and we all know it was horrific. But there yeah. was, so that's that can be done. We can sort of move on, move on with it. Like not move on with it, but mm. you know when someone's like, "Oh my god, I can't believe you've endured that horrific thing," you're like, and the person goes, "Yeah, no, it happened." <laughs> and you think, well, okay, yeah, they've, you're a piece of it, so yeah. yeah. They, they go by them. I'm not sure if that makes any sense. I need to stop saying that. I think well, it's because I've lost confidence in teaching seven, <laughs> year sevens how to do Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and going, does that make sense? Does everyone know yeah, what a see. monologue is? <laughs> <laughs> Are we all still there? Please, um, can someone It's funny say that you something? brought that. <laughs> the irony that you brought that story in at the 40-minute mark on this, on this podcast. Did I? As well. Oh my god! <laughs> More or less. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> you see, it's but in you. That's been drilled into me. That's it. been drilled in. That must be psychologically. Yeah. But also, I suppose the forty-minute mark makes sense because, and yes, I have got loads of cheese what's it's in my mouth at the same time. Um, <laughs> because you know, by this yeah. point, you are feeling su- significantly more calmed. Like we've get like the first ten minutes, I always find of any conversation is really awkward. I get really nervous because mm. I'm not quite sure who I'm going to be and I'm not quite sure what zone, you know, you're trying to gauge how the other person is feeling. And so, and because I, I yeah, just come straight totally up teaching, that. I suddenly thought, oh, like 15 minutes in, I thought, fuck, I was probably too hard on teaching. And, oh, I sound like a bit of a dick about, you know, being a disciplinarian. <laughs> well, you've had, but you've had to change, you've had to change, you've had to change, swap masks mm-hmm. immediately. So you've gone from teaching to like, I'm really hungry. I can't do the next bit unless I eat something, but I'm going to be late. Oh, I'm going to do, oh, right. I can't keep them waiting. I'm going to do that. And then you've, so then you've got half a mask from the other bit. Mm-hmm. And then you've got your, you've got your performing elf lions mask. And then you've got, you've got to deal with hot cross buns and what's it. What's it and cheese, and of cheese course, biscuits. Yeah, yeah. And you're in, and you're still in one, you're still in the mask of the teacher 
you haven't had a chance to transition. I have a moment, just a moment to take you out of that, have a cup of tea and go, right, okay, next. But it's like the, it, You've just kind of gone, oh, shit, I've got to do this, I've got to do that, oh, fuck. And you've got bits of mask everywhere. But it's the same as you because we're also, we're both doing this off it probably from the same place we've been sat at all day in the same rooms. Like, like we've not gone anywhere. Like our home no. because of pandemic, like usually you'd have the commute or you'd have the walk. Like I'm living with my partner like, and we moved in way too soon because we financially had to in the sense like I was living in my mum and dad's garage. He was being evicted from his house. Mm. He had nowhere to go. And we just made the call, come live here. Like we're way too early for that stage. But we have no space for each other. And we've effectively gone from being what is a really fresh, like under a year's relationship to feeling like we've been married for 10 years and never were able to have kids. <laughs> like we just sort of breathe yeah. and exhale each other's sort of gastric fumes. And I have to watch them sort of transition from literally finishing teaching all day on the computer as well to suddenly getting ready to do like an evening class. And then yeah. they have to, and then there's this sort of expectation, oh yeah, at some point we should probably be intimate because that's what you're meant to do as a couple in your first like year of being together. But how the hell are you meant to walk from being the disciplinarian, the failed person trying to be funny on a course or you're not getting there like, you know, or trying to do this or trying to come up with a creative project and you don't have the energy and you're tired to the person who's probably eaten loads of shit because you've sat at the same desk all day. Oh yeah. And by the way, can you get that up for me so I can pop on it for 10 minutes? Like it's yeah. just not going to happen. Like it's just impossible. It, yeah. Jade and I had a moment earlier. We were just, you know, I've been, we've, we've both had loads of stuff going on. She's been really cool today because Thursday is the day where I do all my recording stuff. So I've just, from nine o'clock this morning, right through till now, we've just been been at it. And then, and there was just a moment where, I mean, it's, do you know what I mean? It could be worse. We're not, we're not ill and whatever else is going on, you know, that we are still in a very privileged position. But there was a moment I I was sort of sat at the kitchen table <clears throat> and I looked at Jade and I could just feel there was bristling. Mm -hmm. And we were talking about something else and I went and I just and I just went, look, I know you fucking hate me and you just want me to fuck off. And she went, oh my God, I fucking hate you. Mm -hmm. I, went, I know, I hate you as well. Yeah. And we just had this moment. But, but that's love. That, yeah. That's like being able yeah. to hate. And I, yeah. you know, we mean that. And my mum and dad always said to me, and they were like, be happy the fact that we argue in front of you because you know mm. that there's nothing to worry about in like a very weird way. Like, we didn't, they didn't yeah, hide their that. arguments behind a door. So when they had a fight or something happened, it wasn't a surprise. Like it was, it was there. And I think we forget how important it is to be grotesque or be silly or be foolish or yeah. do all these and fail with the other person. Like, I, yeah, like I was just saying to him, going, yeah. there's no romance in our relationship at all. There's complete love and solidarity and yeah. trust. But my God, like, I do. I look at him and I just think, why are you there? Why are you yeah. here? Why do you have to sit <laughs> there? Why do you have to move over there? Yeah. Why is your sock like everything is derision? Yeah. Um, but it's almost comical because we know we both feel like it, and it's out of it is out of the scenario, not out of yeah, not out of yeah, genuine. Just, you're just functioning. How many interviews yeah, have you done today? Well, this is the. This is the, <clears throat> so you, uh, we've done three, four. We did another one, a little one. And then we were doing a radio show that we do. We were recording that. And then I'm like, Jade's got her stuff that she's got to do. And 
and it's been yeah, it's just been a full on day. And then yeah, and like like Jade said, she's like, look, it's just not meant to be twenty four seven. It's meant to be like when we move in together and stuff. You fuck off for a bit. I yeah. fuck off for a bit. But but we can't fuck off anywhere. It's just you know we're in this flat, trapped. You know. Like, yeah, because know. normally you'd so have like it. the village. Yeah. You'd have the village. Like you'd marry someone, yeah. and it was for like, oh yeah, let's make babies. But you'd have your mates, you'd have your family, you'd have all these other yeah. people. But we now expect the partner to be at all. And that's impossible. And I don't want to be all those things to one person. That's not my, no. that's not my job. <laughs> you know, that's not what exactly. we want. No. Yeah. We say, say we sort of dip in and out of it, don't we? We go, uh, oh, yeah, I'm going to spend some time with you now. Okay, that was nice. I'll see you, I'll see you tomorrow. You know, it's... Yeah. It, yeah, we, especially, like, you know, like, you know, as you know, Jade, Jade does the same thing as us. And so... Mm. We were rarely together, unless you know there was. We'd have the odd Sunday or whatever, but more often than not, we were we were around. We were apart from each other, and it worked. Yeah. And it's not that it's not working now. It's just we've had a day today. We'd be all right. We'd be fine. Yeah. But it's you'd have to be a fucking psychopath not to feel some sort of hatred now and again. Yeah, and I think hate is sometimes a good dearly. feeling. There's a really yeah. funny well, video of a particular boxer, like I think bare knuckle boxer from the eighties, and he's like, "Hate, hate. That's what you got to do. You got to hate from your feet up to your eyes. That's what you got to do." And then he goes straight <laughs> from saying that to going, "All right, poetry." And it's my favourite sort of inspirational <laughs> quote. Got to hate. It's, I write poetry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I know who you're talking about. I think I've seen that. It's one of them. It's yeah. It's like you say. Hate mm-hmm. is is a, is an emotion that's equal to love, and it comes from it comes from the same place, I guess. And it it shows you care anyway on some level. Yeah. And hate's funnier you know anyway. I mean, if that means, yeah. Hate's way funnier. Yeah. Nobody likes when he goes. So I really love soup. Oh my god! I'm gonna tell you some jokes about how much I love soup. Someone comes on stage and goes, "I fucking hate soup." <laughs> much it's funnier. so much funnier. <laughs> which is like, like the comics I like the ones that rant and shout and mm-hmm. I was watching I've, I've been watching clips of lately of like the you know the the more success more not more more famous more well-known comedians and and all of them are ranting and shouting and you go yeah that's what people like you've just literally just hit the nail on the head mm-hmm. coming out and saying I fucking hate soup is much funnier than saying oh, soup love soup fuck off no no just I, fuck I, off I fuck off love. with your soup Give me some absolute <laughs> venom. I also really like how you changed it from more successful comedians to more well-known because it's so much, I think that's what you said, but like, because you are like so successful and this idea of like, what does well-known and fame mean in relation to success? I just find really interesting, especially at the moment. Yeah, just I don't know. Yeah, I don't know why I said successful. It's, I never say that. I think I'm just... It's, well, fuck this <laughs> fuck this virus fuck this podcast you can fuck off <laughs> it's just, it's, <laughs> imagine that <laughs> it's just so it's really interesting is it because someone said to me like oh you're gonna have to change your whole career now because you know you've you know just saying lots of things that people who know nothing about your industry will say to you um and just mm. thinking like we've got to be so proud of us ourselves that we make a living from what we do we're in the industry like i I'm doing a PGC yeah. at the same time because that was a, you know, that was a choice that I made, which I thought was a sensible one and also an interesting one because to what I like yeah. about teaching and lecturing and clowning. But when anyone ever says to me, do you not ever get sad that you're like not on telly? 
Or like someone did say that to me recently. They're like, oh, but you're not like on, t- like you say you're like you're doing well, but you're not like on telly, are you? They've all got the same voice, by the way. Um, yeah. It's yeah, just, yeah, yeah, they all say, even just, the blokes. It's just one person. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you think like, what the fuck do we mean by success anyway? Like, what do you mean between yeah. success and respect and fame? Like always having to say this to the students like at school. And they're like, he's really successful. And you're like, do you mean he's successful? Do you mean that people know him? Like, what's the difference yeah. and which one would we rather? Which one would you rather? Would you rather be yeah. really respected by a few or known by many? Like, what would you rather? And most people are thinking, go, I'd rather be respected. <laughs> but it's just like <laughs> the be- yeah. beautiful thing about our career is there's so many different nuances to it. I like, I like, I just, yeah. I'm happy to, I'm just happy. I'm busy and stressed and exhausted and tired and quite angry, but I'm happy. <laughs> Yeah, I know what you mean. I love the fact that we can do this and it's, and you can make a living from it, like you said. And yeah, and I've, I've said this a few times when I've been, when I've been lucky enough to be abroad somewhere and I've been in another country and I've been sat and I'm just sat there going, fuck, this is, this is what success looks like. Yeah. You know, I did well enough for someone who's got gigs in another country to go, why don't you come and do what you're doing, but come and do it in this country. And you sit there and you go, wow. That, that to me is success. That, yeah. I've seen what, yeah, I've seen the other side of it, you know, because, you know, Jade's on the on the telly and doing bits and bobs and I see the shit that she has to put up with and I'm like, I do not want that. The shit she gets online is, a, is, I, a, is, a, is so awful. I mean, I just, I, I don't know. You'd have to, like, that's the thing. It's about having a strong support network. Like, she's got you, she's got friends who love her, you know, and she's adored mm. and so by so many people that... And also she's got the resilience having been in the game. She knows how to hold herself. Yeah. But, oh, God, I get really upset when, like, one person sends me, like, an email via my website telling me that I'm shit or this. Like, I still get <laughs> knocked by it. Um, I quite, and I think I quite, I like, you know, you take every opportunity, don't you? You will never say, oh, yeah. I won't do this or do that because you never know what the scenario will change. But, yeah, like you said, I got booked to do, I was gigging in Berlin, like, two years ago before lockdown um, mm. with Dane and Tom Deacon. And nice. and it was one that we were staying in a really lovely hotel. And after the gig, we all went upstairs to like this outdoor pool balcony place. And there was an Amazing. electrical storm in Berlin. It was the day after my oh. 28th birthday. We were drinking, I can't remember, like Negronis or something. And I thought, this is insane. Like, I'm not like, the money's like, you know, if, if I told any of my friends who work, you know, nine to five jobs, they go, that's literally nothing. But it didn't matter because yeah. you're thinking this experience, me being able to be in another country, like getting to go to Australia to do the Adelaide Fringe is mental. Like I got to go somewhere yeah. for work and make money whilst I was out there and see people and sort of break even and make friends and yeah. get better at what I love doing. <laughs> I like. Yeah, I had exactly. such a good time, and I got my tits out yeah. every day. <laughs> I was going to say it wasn't the show with the ketchup bottle. That's expensive. Oh no, it was just the one yeah, bottle. Um, of, like we watered so, uh, it down significantly. I won't go oh, into okay. the science. Oh, of it yeah, all. yeah. It actually makes me think. Actually, of- yeah, you couldn't have you couldn't have straight ketchup, could you? It would, it's a different. Yeah, it's a different animal. Too much it sugar. Been, it wouldn't need to. Yeah, you would need some water in there. No, I, I mean, I'm not an expert, but <laughs> <laughs> got to be really, really smart with these things, babe. 
It's the type Amazing. of work that I think about on a day-to-day basis as an artist. <laughs> is this, yeah, is <laughs> the consistency of ketchup. Um, this has been lovely, Elf. Thank you so much. And you've got, so you're working on the book now? Yeah, so it's going to come out, I think, later this year, like all getting held up with um, covid bits and pieces. Mm. But yeah, so we're working on it in a moment. So it's basically why playfulness and silliness is a feminist. Feminist matter. It's very lovely. exciting. There we are. Oh, I look forward to it. And where can we find you online? You can find me. If you me, would like to be found. Um, I would love to be. Please find me. Please find me. <laughs> um, <laughs> where am I? I've just completely forgot. Um, uh, TheElfLions.com. It's the because someone took Elf Lions as a domain name, but the Elf Lions makes me sound like such a wanker. But it's <laughs> TheElfLions.com. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to show yeah I am Rich Wilson because because someone else said the other one so it's just yeah look, I am Rich Wilson that's quite there cool though. I like that thank you Elf fantastic no thanks so much for having me it's just I feel like people don't really think about being silly as a woman and I just really want to talk to people about it and also I was like how am I going to talk to you <laughs> how can I just talk oh, yeah. to you in general and I realised the only way you can chat to your friends is if you're like can I be on your podcast <laughs> hold up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi now that's music to my mouth hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.